clients who come to me who are coming to me in the middle of divorce, dealing with death, dealing with disease, dealing with trauma from their past. And people, people who don't work in this field, they ask, they ask me, they're like, how do you handle all of that? Like, how does that not weigh you down? How does that not build up within you? And so I'm going to share with you some of the things that I do to take care of myself. Welcome to the Guiding Mind Podcast. I am your host, Eric Almeida. And today I want to talk about some of the things that I do on a daily basis to help keep my own mental strength up to be able to get through my own life, but then also to be able to work with my clients when it comes to the difficult stories and the difficult experiences that they're going through. A common question that I get from people who aren't in the mental health field is how can you handle what it is that you work people through? Because I have clients who come to me who are coming to me in the middle of divorce, dealing with death, dealing with disease, dealing with trauma from their past. And people, people who don't work in this field, they ask, they ask me, they're like, how do you handle all of that? Like, how does that not weigh you down? How does that not build up within you? And so I'm going to share with you some of the things that I do to take care of myself to see if any of them spark interest in your, with yourselves to be able to, to fold into your own lives, to be able to give you more of a tolerance for everyday life. I'm not saying this is aimed specifically at mental health providers, but these are useful techniques or useful practices just to be able to create that buffer between you and life so that life, because life always has those moments where it sucks beyond all measure, and for you to have those those systems in place just to keep yourself just kind of running smoothly. Think of it as the, the mental oil change, the spiritual and emotional oil change that you need, you know, rotating the tires and all that kind of stuff. So one thing that I do every day, typically twice a day is meditation. I start my day with about eh, 20 to 30 minutes of meditation. I end my day with about the same, sometimes the, the, the evening meditations longer. Um, people misunderstand what the purpose of meditation is. They think that if they think that you're supposed to just be sitting there, eyes shut, and to just always be in a state where your mind is completely clear, technically, the intention is to get to that place where that's possible. But when but the true purpose of meditation is for you to become aware of what's happening in your mind and what's happening in your body and what you're feeling. It's to create that space for yourself to become, to, to train being introspective and to be like, and so like people complain a lot when they try to meditate of, of, I can't do it. My mind won't shut the hell up. These things all keep coming up. And it's like, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. When you become aware of the thoughts that you're having in your head or the feelings that you're having in your body or emotions, that begins the process of you detaching yourself from them. So <clears throat> if you try to meditate and all of a sudden you're thinking about this thing that happened at work that's, that you didn't realize was bothering you as much, that level of introspection gives you a space to be able to interact with that 
experience in life in a better way instead of it building up inside of you. And then all of a sudden it's just, you know, incident and reaction and just goes back and forth. You can create that space and be like, oh yeah, that thing that my boss said did bother me. And that's something I should keep an eye on in case it happens again so that I don't end up, you know, cursing out my boss as an example. Um, and you can do meditation in so many different ways. There's really not a wrong way to do it. It's just about giving yourself some time. Start at whatever pace works right for you. You can start with as little as one minute, just a try or five. And there's an infinite number of free guided meditations on YouTube that you could find and just pick whatever one that you like play around. I jump around with which ones I listen to, you know, I lean a lot more into the more energetic ones with more things involving like chakra clearing and stuff like that. That just happens to resonate with me. I've also done meditations where it's just me in complete silence or it's just music to each their own. Just if meditation is something you want to give a go, just pick something and give it a try and just keep cycling around until something resonates with you. Another thing that I do almost every day, typically after I meditate is journaling. Journaling is a great way to take the stuff that's in your head and to put it onto paper and to kind of process live, whatever that is. Now, what makes journaling so beneficial is the, it's the act of actually putting pen to paper or typing it out on a computer or even doing it as a voice memo on your phone. The method of, of the writing quote unquote is irrelevant. It's just, it's, it's the expression similar to meditating you become aware of what's inside. And so all of a sudden, if you're writing things and you, you can be writing things like, you know, this is so stupid. What's the point? I can't do this. I'm a complete failure, blah, blah, blah. And you'll start reading back as you're writing it, what you're saying about yourself or about a situation. And that will also create a level of detachment and also introspection of like, wait, wait, wait. I don't really believe that I can't get through this at all. It's hard. And you'll start to notice that your own perception of it changes. And so journaling is really wonderful in that regard. Don't set any expectations of how much or you know how many pages you're supposed to write or any of that crap. Just, just, just try. There are times where I, I have the, the journal out. I put the date just because I put the date just for my own personal. I don't know why I even do it. There's no point even putting the date, honestly. I put the date, there are times where I write nothing because I literally have nothing to write down. And there are other times where I'm going on for several pages. And so it doesn't matter. Um, if you're a person who is very concerned that what you might be writing might be found or something like that, there's a, a level of safety there. Destroy what you write. It's perfectly fine. There's no, can there be a benefit of being able to go back at what of what you've written before in your journals to see what compare it to where you are today there can be that's still not the point it's at the point the point of journaling in this way it's not to be a biography though it can turn into that for some people it's just more of of a practice of just of just venting what's in your thoughts onto something that is infinitely patient like pen and paper or anything like that we're going to pause real quick in this video, and I'm just going to ask you to like and subscribe the video. Subscribing to the video helps out a ton. It lets people know that you enjoy the video. It gives you, it lets, it pops my videos up on your feed so that you can watch future ones coming up in the coming up. 
So if you're enjoying this video, hit subscribe, helps the channel out a ton. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much. Um, the other thing that I also do almost every day is exercise. So for me, I'm not a gym person. That That's not my jam. It's I don't feel comfortable going out and then trying to exercise in front of other people. That's just my own stuff. I also know that that level of barrier of having to get special clothes to bring to the gym and then actually get into the car and schlep over to the gym ain't going to happen. That's, that's me personally. And so I exercise just as ho just at home. I don't use any equipment. I just do body exercises. And so I used to do exercises with weights. I ended up just hurting myself. And so I'm like, screw the weights. And so, but the exercise that I do is pretty basic. So but what I do exercise wise, and it's in the mornings, I alternate between doing push-ups or doing planks, push-ups for upper body, planks for core work. And then when the weather permits, I go for walks. I don't like running either. I honestly could, can't stand cardio to save my life. Are doctors out there going to say you need the cardio for the heart? Yes. I'm still doing the walking, so I'm fine. And so, um, that works really well for me. I take Sundays off to give my body a break and I just alternate back and forth and back and forth. This was something I started in the early days of COVID when you were hearing through the grapevine, you know, the, the more you were taking care of yourself, the better you had from a survivability of COVID and getting through it. And it started really, really basic, really, really basic. When I started, I had a hard time doing five push-ups in a row before just burning, just before just getting to exhaustion. And when I was doing the, the, the planks, I was screaming by like 25 seconds. And that was two plus years ago now. And now I, and so I just, that's it. I just would start with that and that would be it. Like I would, that's how I started. I just was like, okay. How many push-ups can I do? I can do five before it burns me out. I'm done for the day. Pat myself on the back. That's more than I did the day before, which was zero. And then I would alter over to the planks and just go back and forth and back and forth. And over time, I would just keep going up as it felt comfortable. You know, so five push-ups turned into 10, turned into 15, turned into 20, et cetera, et cetera. And then now I can get up to comfortably 50 push-ups in a row without having to stop. And then I'll do multiple sets of that now. And then with the planks, I can get up to, to three minutes holding a plank and then do multiple sets of that. And so once again, start with wherever you are, do whatever you're willing to do that you're willing to commit to. And the reason why I picked push-ups and planks, one, one didn't, I can do it at home. I can do it wherever I needed to do it. It doesn't require weights of any kind or any kind of equipment. I do have like a, one of those anti-fatigue mats that I just happen to have. And, um, I use that so I don't hurt my hands on the floor. That's kind of it. Um, and I picked exercises that were working muscle groups that I cared about. So I wanted to have a little bit more definition in my upper body and a little more definition in my abs. I could really care less about my legs. But I still, but I still do enjoy the walking for the act of walking. And I typically go on walks with friends. So it's more of a social occasion than it is just me just going out to walk. So pick whatever works for you. Start with wherever you are, 
only compare yourself to you. That's it. You, if you, if you compare yourself to other people online, the, the you know, that you're going to drive yourself crazy. Don't do that. Another thing that I do, I am really particular around sleep. I do everything in my power to keep my sleep schedule as regular as humanly possible within reason. Are there times where my schedule's off? Yes. But that, but most of the time I'm very structured around my sleep. Um, during the weeks, during the weekdays, I'm usually in bed by like nine or not nine or so. Typically I wake up around five or five to six, depending on the day. And then the weekends that might get pushed out to like 10 ish, but then I end up waking around, waking up around six. That's what works for me based on my work schedule and also the number of hours that suits me, which is floats around about a solid eight, give or take. And, um, but that's what works for me in particular. Based on your lifestyle, if you're more a night owl, then just push that back. If work accommodates and sleep in more in the mornings, I typically don't take naps unless I really lost a lot of sleep overnight for some particular situation. But naps are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Just find a method that works for you. Some people like the really short naps. Some people like the longer naps to each their own. But it's so important to, to have your sleep schedule be as regular as possible. Not only does, this, does the sleep schedule help process everything in your mind, it puts stuff from short-term memory into long-term memory. It helps flush out information that's useless to you. Sleep also brings your body into a state of repair so that you can actually heal from wounds or heal from, you know, allow for muscle development from exercise or when it comes to boosting up your immune system, if you're sick or to, or also to prevent you from getting sick, it's super important. Don't screw too much around it. Um, be very careful with caffeine to, you know, I, the only caffeine I have all day long is a, is a cup of green tea in the morning. Um, I have tea the rest of the day, but it's all decaf or herbal stuff. So be careful with caffeine, be careful with alcohol too. Alcohol just completely screws with your sleep too. You don't, you're not getting as restful sleep, even pot for those of you who have access to it and where it's legal, it can, pot can help you fall asleep, but it's not the same kind of sleep as it being natural. So just be aware of those things and just do your best to, to keep it, your sleep schedule as regular as you can. Um, Another thing that's tethered to sleep to a degree is sunlight. So I do my best to keep my blinds open when I go to sleep so that when the sun comes up in the morning, I tend to wake up by more by the sunlight than by the alarm. And so that's working really, really well now that it's, as I'm recording this, it's summertime. So the sun's coming up pretty early in the wintertime. That gets a little bit more complicated, especially me living up in the Northeast of the U S because the sun might not rise until like seven or eight o'clock in the morning in the winter times. And so that's where you're going to have to lean more on the alarm. And so, but it's so important to expose yourself to sunlight as especially right when you wake up. So like I said, I keep my curtains open overnight. My window isn't facing anything. I have to worry about art with too much with artificial light or anything like that. Sometimes the moon interferes, but not a big deal. But um, 
but it helps make me up in the morning. And then when I get up, all the lights go on. I open all the curtains right away. I have my home be as bright as possible when I wake up to keep my circadian rhythm in check. Cause it just, it just starts your day and then puts you into that natural, natural cycle and rhythm around light. The more natural light, the better. If you can get outside and actually get exposed to, to real sunlight, even better, but at least turn on, turn on your lights, make the, make your home as bright as possible in the early mornings and then do the dead opposite at night. One of the things that helps me wind down to then go to sleep is all the lights get turned off or get put down into dim settings. If I'm watching TV, I turn down the brightness to as low as possible. So like your eyes will adjust to it anyway, but you're not getting the, the artificial light keeping you artificially awake. And so once again, sunlight, super, super important. Another thing that I do is I'm also pretty regimented around my diet. Now, this is more particular to me because I do have a digestive condition. So I have, I have to be very careful with my diet. It doesn't take much to throw it off. And then I'm having lots of time in the bathroom, lots of nausea and cramps. None of that's fun for anybody. And being digestively uncomfortable makes it hard to do anything in life. And so, but diet is important when it comes to being consistent, not having these massive spikes of sugar and then the crashes. And so, but everyone is different in that kind of regard. So find what works for you specifically around your diet. You know, what things that you notice that your body can handle well, what things that you notice that your body can't handle very well, and do your best to lean into the healthier things more than the unhealthier things. It's going to be, it's going to be trial by error for most of us. Um, for those of you who do have digestive issues, um, the two types of diets that have helped me a ton personally to be able to filter out what foods have been good are good for me, what foods are not. Uh, the first is the low FODMAP diet, F-O-D-M-A-P diet. So FODMAPs are foods that cause can that are typical digestive irritants. So these are things like gluten, fructose, um, dairy, and there's a few others that there's a, several, several others that for me personally helped me figure out a lot of my own digestive issues. I knew I was lactose intolerant since I was like 12, because that response was very fast. Um, it took me until my early twenties to figure my early to mid twenties to figure out gluten. Cause for me, gluten was a very delayed response. I'd eat something and it would be four to six hours later that I would be in excruciating pain and cramps and all that kind of stuff. And so that helped me figure that one out. And then the other components in the, the low FODMAP diet helped me figure out things like, for example, as much as I love avocados, I can't do avocados. It explained things like why potatoes were okay, but sweet potatoes were not like different things like that, especially fructose. Fructose is bloody everywhere in American food. It's in ketchup, it's in all of our sodas and stuff like that, and, and honey, agave, even some of the alternatives. And so figuring that also helped out because for me, for TMI, sorry, fructose, those kinds of things are basically like a laxative for me. And so that helped a ton figuring that out. So that was one piece that figured that helped me figure out about 85 to 90% of the things that bugged me. 
The other thing, the last thing that helped figure out the last 10 to 15% was the blood type diet. There's an, um, there's apps for both of these. You could find them on your phones to give you guidance, or you can even Google them just to get like a, like PDFs on the guidance there. The blood, the blood type diet basically is each blood type has different enzymes when it comes to foods that you can digest some blood types to have certain enzymes compared to others. So some foods are easier to digest than others. And so that helped me figure out the last couple of things that I never understood why they were bothering me. So like, for example, uh, most seafood is perfectly okay on the low FODMAP diet, but I would notice that certain types of seafood would still bother me. And it was the blood type diet that helped me pick out those last couple of things. So like I would have a lot of canned tuna, but I would also notice that I would get a lot of digestive upset from that. I couldn't figure out why that was happening. Um, I'm in my blood type is a positive according to the blood map, the blood map cheese. I can them together the blood type diet. I don't have enough of the enzymes to process tuna and thus it causes some more digestive upset, but I can process fish like salmon perfectly fine. And when I made that simple switch, I like salmon too, canned salmon, um, perfectly fine. Same thing with shrimp, shrimp, low FODMAP would say shrimp is fine. Blood type would say to not to avoid it. And so those two combined help me figure out a lot of things. But once again, my system is much more sensitive than most people's systems, but it still can give you some guidance of like, you know, of kind of like giving, pointing you in the right direction. The last thing that I also do, and this is something I recommend to a lot of my clients, because depending on what comes up in session is I am really, really minimize the amount of news that I ingest. And the reason for this is the news is geared towards being sensational for it, for you to keep watching it. So the news is going to lean towards things that are going to make you angry or that are going to scare the crap out of you. And so, and the thing is that if you ingest any kind of media, not just the news, but if you ingest any kind of media that is leaning in towards the negative, that's going to affect your perception of the world. So very, very briefly, we have a, I had another video about this. We have a part of the brain called the RAS, a reticular activating system that helps us filter the information that comes in from the world. If you are ingesting negative information or a lot of negative news, because honestly, most news is negative, you are then that filter in your brain is then going to filter out the world to, to, to verify what you've now placed value on. So here in the United States, we have a lot of issues around gun violence. If you're watching a lot of news, when it comes to the mass shootings and the gun violence, you're then going to be drawn more towards that and be more prone to that, to, to catching news articles that aim in that particular topic. And then part of you is going to think that that is a, an unbelievably common event here in the United States. Is it a problem? Of course it is. Is it more common here than in other countries? Yes. For most of us, is it something that we honestly have to deal with? No, it's pretty rare. Even, as, even though it's more common here in the States, it is still relatively rare overall for most of us. Most of us have never experienced gun violence firsthand. I'm not saying all of us haven't, but most of us haven't. And so 
it's taking that into consideration when it comes to the news of being careful what you ingest from a media perspective, because it's going to skew the way that you look at the world. If you ingest information that's saying the world is a horrible, shitty place, you that your RAS will filter information to verify that. And then you're going to think the world is a terrible, shitty place. Are there instances in the world where it's terrible and shitty? Of course there are. Are there also instances in the world where the world is wonderful and beautiful? Yes, that's also true. And so the world doesn't change when it comes to the news. It's just how you see the world does change. And then some of you might be pushing back, well, what if I, you know, I want to stay informed and blah, 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 blah. Truthfully, I've been pretty news avoidant for a while now. Notable news topics you will hear about through your friends, through your colleagues. You, it'll still come through. And if you truly want to investigate it more, then you can go and find whatever news outlet floats your boat and then explore it in that way. Trust me. I didn't re I didn't find out about big things like Ukraine or anything like that from watching the news. I heard about it through the grapevine. And then as I, if I chose to do so, I would look into it more when I felt like it was necessary for me. Like the big stuff you'll hear about anyway, because people, people are going to talk. Is that going to be the same case on more very local niche stuff? Less so. And if so, in that regard, when it comes to that, if you want to stay more informed with local stuff, then just be much more strategic about how you ingest the news in that kind of way. Maybe you only watch local news on TV. Maybe you, you, know, you get a newspaper once in a while. The more boring the form of ingestion, the better. So print it tends to be less sensational than video because you're reading the words instead of it being dictated to you and then the emotion of the broadcaster is being thrown on top of it. Not to say that print media doesn't have its own form of sensation, but just keep in mind that what you ingest from a media perspective is certainly going to have an impact. So I hope these, I hope one of these appeals to you or several of them that you can begin folding it into your everyday life to be able just to keep yourself more calm and more content and actually being able to enjoy everyday life. So I hope this was very beneficial to you. Also, just one at a time. If you're starting a new habit, one at a time. You don't, If you do everything all at once, you're going to drop everything. It's too much. Just We are creatures of habit. Incorporating a new habit takes time. And so if you found this video to be enjoyable, you can click on more videos over here to watch to watch other videos about how to improve yourself, how to be more mentally fit and how to just take care of yourself on an everyday space.